Amen. Are we having church today or what? Bless you. Sometimes I feel like the Lord is whispering in my ear, do not mess this up, Ken. <laughs> this is a good day. This is the way. This is the way to begin a year. So I heard a story. It was told by D. James Kennedy, who's with the Lord now. He's a, he's a pastor in Florida. He said, told the story of a pilot during World War II that uh, was shot down over islands in the Pacific. He had to choose the place where he would ditch or bail out or parachute or land his plane. I can't remember which it was. But he also knew that the islands were inhabited by people who were cannibals. And he feared for his life. He heard all kinds of horrifying stories of the dangers that could befall him. And he, and he looked down on these islands as he passed over one island after another. And then he saw one that had a little building. And the little building had a cross on the top of it. And that's the island that he chose. Because you see, there, there were no longer any cannibals there because of the influence of Christ's church. We're going to do a new series of messages now. We're going to call it Little Red Book of Church. I'll explain that in a minute. It's Titus. Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Titus in the New Testament. I'm so encouraged. I, I understand one of our men, one of our men told us that another of our men at one point memorized the entire book of Titus. Uh, that's the kind of devotion we ought to have to the scriptures to cherish it like that. And then I heard another story. I heard this week uh, one of the ladies told me that some of the ladies in the church anticipating that we were going to teach through Titus decided that they would do a little Bible study on Titus in anticipation of that. And so that's just when you, what you love to hear when you're a pastor, that people are leaning into the Word. I would recommend that you read the book of Titus. There's a little app I found that you can, for, for memorization purposes, you can put the text into it, and it will repeat that particular uh, section of scripture over and over again so while you're driving or showering or whatever you could hear the word and it could loop it's kind of a neat idea you might just take your bible old school and get up in the morning uh, when the sun has fallen on the pages of your of your regular old school paper bible and read titus and it's rich it is so very rich you will uh, you will be in you'll be rewarded in in your efforts in in reading this beautiful little book of 46 Verses. So my sermon title this morning is, This is Big, I'm In, <laughs> I'm All In. You have no idea how proud I am of that sermon title. I worked really hard on that. This is big, <laughs> I'm in, <laughs> I'm all in. Now, a, a rich intellectual title like that, I'm sure, has stirred up your curiosity. Um, but really, here's what it's about. When we look at this epistle, it's a letter from Paul to Titus, who was a church worker on the Isle of Crete, and we'll explain that later. When we look at this, what is this letter about? It's just about what God is doing in the world through the church. And we're going to see specifically as we kind of analyze this, the first four verses this morning and just kind of look at each word of that, what we're going to see is that this is a big thing. This is a big thing. This is the kind of thing that's an ultimate thing. And, and, and this is the kind of thing that could occupy our affections, that could stir our souls, that could be very significant, could be very meaningful, could be very satisfying. This is big. This is really big. 
The book is 46 verses. It's interesting. Uh, Harvey Pennock wrote a little book once. He was a golf pro, I think, in Dallas. And, and he gave these golf tips to people. And one day they said to him, you ought to put all your golf tips in a, in a book. And he did. He, 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 so they, a, a publisher said to him, we'd like to recommend that you put all your golf tips in a little book and that we publish it. And he said, well, what would that involve? And they said, we'll get back to you on that. And when they got back to him, they said to him, he was, I think he was in his 90s um, it, when this happened. And they said, well, they said, we, um, we will advance you, uh, we'll give you advance on royalties of $90,000 to start. And so he said, well, let me talk to my wife. So he went to his wife and he talked it over with his wife and he got back with them and he said, well, okay. My wife said she agreed we could put a mortgage on the house to pay you the $90,000. And they said, no, no, you don't understand. We give you $90,000 in advance on the royalties. This became one of the best-selling sports books ever. It was just the essentials of golf in a little red book. That what we have today, that and for the next eight years as we make our way through Titus, we, as the next few weeks as we make our way through Titus, is the little red book of church. We have like church in its essence. Maybe you're a literary type and you have, or a teacher, and, and you have encouraged students to read uh, Strunk and White's little book, The Elements of Style. That's a big good idea. But it's, it's so terse. It's so short, but it's so useful. This is Titus. Titus is the little red book of church. Pastor Leo and I will kind of team up a little bit as we, and he's been through Titus before at least once, probably a number of times, and, and we'll share this a bit, um, but we will be bringing truth from this rich little book, which I have called the little red book of church. The nice thing about it is it's simple. I love that. It's organic. It's, it's scalable. It works anywhere. It, it's cross-cultural. The things in Titus that, Titus that Paul said to Titus that the Spirit inspired Paul to say to Titus, work anywhere in the world at any time, they're just that universal. And that's why this is rich. It's inspired by the Holy Spirit. So this isn't just like good advice on church. What I'm getting at in this series is that God's intent for you personally is that you experience what he's doing in, in the church, in church. The way he's, it's the way he made us. He made us to experience life and church and to experience church his way how could we ever be what god wants us to be or experience what god wants us to experience if we don't do what god said and this is what god said about church so this is is big now, let me just share with you briefly how big it is and then i'm going to show you eight observations from titus 1 1 through 4. first i'll read paul a servant of god He's actually saying, I'm God's slave. He uses a word that means, I'm God's slave. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began, and at the proper time manifested in his word through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God our Savior to Titus, my true child in a common faith. Grace and peace from God our, the Father and, of, and Christ Jesus our Savior. Okay, this, this, you just tell by the wording, this, this is big. Well, let me give you an example how big it is. First, it, it is planned by God before the ages began. 
You see that in the text. What he's talking about, which is essentially the delivery of the, the truth that stirs up in a person confidence that they will have eternal life, is something that is so big, it was planned by God before the ages begin. Raise your hand if you fully understand that. Yeah, see, you got it. That's, that's just big. That's so big, we can't even, we can't even conceive of it with a, with a finite mind. Wise, godly, devout people arm wrestle about this. But this is what God said. This is conceived in the heart of God before the ages began. This is big. This is so big it was, had to be accomplished by Jesus himself. You know this, in his death and resurrection and his commission that he gave. And, and it had to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. This is the whole thing that's wrapped up in that whole thing. An apostle is a uniquely sent one. In the sense that it's being used here, Paul the apostle is one who is personally commissioned by Jesus and filled with the Holy Spirit for a specific purpose of getting out the message of the, of the Jesus story. This is big. It was planned by God. It was accomplished by Jesus. It was entrusted to the apostles like Paul. As I said, Paul says, doulos, servant of God, apostle of Jesus. It's interesting when he says uh, he's a servant of God, it's like he's saying, I'm totally and completely his slave. That's a good place to be. Okay, God, you're God. I'm Ken. You just tell me what I'm supposed to do, and I'll do it. But then when God commissioned him, Jesus, God commissioned him through God our Savior Jesus as an apostle. It's almost like Paul's saying, I'm a man under authority, and I have authority. It's not my own, but I, I'm an apostle. So the message I'm going to share with you is very powerful. This is big. It was planned by God. It was accomplished by Jesus. It was entrusted to apostles. It was passed on to faithful men like Titus. We're going to see in this who is God, who is Jesus, who is Paul, who is Titus, who are the Cretans. But it's entrusted to apostles like Paul and then passed on to faithful men like Titus. Who is Titus? We could talk a while about that, but he was young. He was trusted. He was a Gentile convert, a Greek, right? He was present with Paul. This is interesting. He was present with Paul at the Jerusalem Council where they were having a bit of a debate about how much Jewishness they were going to force on the Gentile converts. Paul brings Titus. Get it? One time I was wearing jeans in church, and uh, it wasn't this church. And a lady came up to me and said, hello, pastor, I see you're wearing jeans. I said, these are not jeans. These are legalist indicators. She thought that was really cool. Maybe that wasn't. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking that was not what you should have said. But it, it, it's almost like you go to church and the pastor doesn't have a tie on, so you go, he must, he's going to deny the virgin birth next. Right? Paul brings Titus, who is uncircumcised. He's Greek. And then they're going to debate about whether the Greek converts, a Gentile convert, should be circumcised, which is certainly uncomfortable to talk about in church. Let's just pretend it's like whether or not you wear a tie. So we're going to change it that way because I just feel better talking like that. Are we going to make Titus wear a tie? Paul says, here's Titus. Notice he doesn't have a tie. Uh, here's Titus. He's wearing jeans today. Everybody's like, we're going to let him in here? And that's what, that was the debate. I'm, I'm making it frivolous, but it was serious. It was the Jerusalem Council. And they, and they came together in the closed course, and they were conscientious about Jewish scruples and all of that. But they basically said, we're not going. We're going to resist this, this 
adding to the scriptures thing for these new converts, making it hard for them. And so it was just interesting that Paul wisely brings this Gentile convert, this, this, and Titus then, if you read the New Testament, you just see him popping up, and wherever he pops up, primarily in the Corinthian epistles, he's useful, he's helpful, he's young, he's able, he's faithful. And so the apostles, this is so big, it's planned by God, accomplished by Jesus, entrusted to the apostles, passed on through faithful men, Paul calls him my true child in the common faith. How beautiful is that? Maybe Paul led Titus to the Lord. And it was then delegated to elders in every city. You'll see this as we study the book that there were, there were men in, that were leaders in the church then in the, the house churches in, in every city. And Paul, Paul's charge to Titus was to appoint elders in every city. It's like this is the heart of what a church is. You have, you have godly men who take servant leadership there. It's what the scriptures teach. A true child in the common faith. And then it was delegated to elders, and then it was experienced by each of the elect. The Bible calls believers in this text the elect, which is really beautiful when you think about that God's, this is the, this, this emphasizes the part of God's work where he chooses people. And we know the scriptures plainly teach that, and the, the scriptures also plainly teach a responsibility to respond and to believe, and the scriptures plainly teach that there's some choosing that God does. And again, Christians have differences of opinion about this, but setting those aside just to recognize that God is at work in ages past, and he calls his children, my elect, my elect. I like that, because it's in the Bible. And so... It was experienced by each of the elect, meaning those who were, were saved in, in Crete in this particular context, and inherited by each of us who believe this very same thing. All that in this small book, it's big. Now, seven other things. Number two, this is big. Number two, this is old and this is eternal. Not only big, it's old, it's eternal. Notice that the phrase says, before the ages begin in hope of eternal life. It's like going back. And going forward, it, it's big, and it's old, and it's eternal, it's long. And this, this to me, you know, it could evoke a lot of thoughtfulness, right? But one of the things I thought about as I contemplated this wonderfully this week and like worshipped my way in the study of this for, to prepare messages for you was just to think that God's sovereignly arranging things for people that he loves, just planning and, and arranging things and doing good things. How beautiful it is that you, as one who's chosen by God, are the object of his loving plans, even when things are hard or bad or they seem bad, God is at work. He's working, and this is a, an eternal this is a, a plan. I, I heard this story. I read a book by Steve Saint. Remember, Nate Saint was the missionary martyr in Ecuador, and then his son Steve was just a little boy when his dad died and was speared by the, by the people that were misunderstanding them and coming as missionaries. But his son went on to serve the Lord. His name was Steve Saint. And Steve Saint wrote a book called Walking His Trail, Walking His Path. It's a good book. Early in the book, he tells this amazing story of God's providence. He says he and a friend were flying their airplane, and they were flying over Texas. They are getting ready to fly into Mexico in a mission. And all of a sudden, they were closed in by bad weather, and they had to make an emergency landing, and they began to cry out to God and pray that there would be some place for them to make this emergency landing. And in the kind providence of God, even in the directing hand of God, there was like a hole in the clouds, and they, they literally made an emergency landing, dropped through that hole in the clouds, landed on this small private airstrip. There were, there were only two people there, the fellow who ran it and his live-in girlfriend. They said, well, you can stay with us until the clouds open up. 
and he talks with him for a while and they go to stay in the house where the two are living together and um Suddenly, the guy whose name happens to be Steve starts to badger Steve Saint about the Christian faith, starts to harass him about the Christian faith, starts to kind of get in his face about the Christian faith. And Steve Saint thought that was odd because he hadn't said anything about the Christian faith. He hadn't even said he was a Christian. He hadn't witnessed. He, he thought, what is it that this guy is it's attacking me like this? And it went on for a few days, and the clouds never cleared. And finally, they got a truck and decided to get out of town to it because he was tired of this guy badgering him. And then as soon as they got in the truck and started out of town, the clouds lifted, so they turned the truck around and came back. And when they got back, this guy and his living girlfriend said, okay, we're going to follow the Lord now. And Steve said, well, can you please explain to me what's happening here? And the guy said, well, yeah, I guess I should. He said, my dad was a missionary pilot. And when I was a little boy, your dad was my dad's hero. And my goal in life was to be a missionary pilot. And I wanted to follow the Lord with all my heart. He said, but my dad turned us back on, my fa- on our family and he committed adultery and he left our family. And I decided I'm not going to follow a God like that. He said, and my girlfriend and I were laying in bed the other night. We were praying maybe if there's anything to this thing about God, maybe God could send us a messenger or something. And then you, my childhood hero's son, landed the next day in the airport. Did <laughs> you love stories like that? This, I do too. Just thinking about how God is working in our world, working even with people like us, people who don't deserve it. It's, it's, this is a big story. This would be enough to capture our hearts. This would be enough to capture our affections. This would be enough to capture our loyalty. This would be enough to stir us deeply. This would be enough to satisfy us greatly, wouldn't it? This is big. This is big. This is long and old and eternal. Third, this is good. This is good. Notice it says this. The confidence or the hope of eternal life, which God who never lies promised before the world began. When you think about eternal life, you, you need to, when you see eternal life in the Bible, you've, you've, you've got to think about that. Because when, when it's used like this, it's not just talking about length of life. It can't be, right? It can't be. And here's why. Because the Bible teaches that all of us will live consciously forever. The unbeliever in eternal conscious torment forever. That's what the Bible teaches. So, so, uh, so, but they won't have this quality of life that the Bible is. When the Bible's talking about eternal life, when the scriptures talk about eternal life, it's like eternal life. Eternal life. Life at its best, abundant life. Living, really living, not eternally suffering or dying. And this is what Paul says. Paul, a servant of God, apostle of Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect, and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness, in hope of eternal life. This is good. And notice that he says, just before he goes into the rest of the letter, he says, grace and peace to you. His intent is good, obviously. The purpose of the gospel and the work of Jesus in the church. And all these points kind of line up with Jesus using the local church to give the message of eternal life, all right, is big and it's eternal and it's good. It's more, it's also number four, it's true. It, it's, it's by means of the knowledge of the truth. You notice it says that. It says that the, for the sake of the faith of God's elect, Paul says, my work in the church, my apostleship and my letter to Titus is for the sake of you, for the faith of God's elect, and their knowledge of the truth. This is true. It's about truth. Truth is important. It, 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 this is, you're going to see this later. 
in the first chapter here that the, the men who are charged with leadership, are, they have to guard the truth. They have to be willing to do that. And they have to speak the truth because in truth there's life, in truth there's freedom. The, the, the eternal life which God, who cannot lie, who does not lie, promised before the world began, is passed on through people hearing a message that's true. Now this is really interesting to, to have said that to people who are on the island of Crete because people on the island of Crete, they're God. They learned about as a child, their small g God was Zeus. And Zeus was a liar. And a philanderer, he deceived and, and he seduced women. This is, that was their God. And, and you know, they say you become like what you worship. They did. They, the Bible says that the, the people on Crete were liars and they were evil beasts and they were lazy gluttons. It was not a terribly flattering way to start your ministry talking about your, your people like that, but that's what it says. Their God was a liar and they were not truthful. But this it says, but the God who will not ever lie, he promised eternal life. Before the world began, before the ages began. I kind of like that. This is true. This is true. And then because when you worship the God who is true, who tells the truth, who's morally righteous, you are drawn to become righteous in your life too. You become like what you worship. And that's gonna, it's going to say that in Titus over and over again. Salvation is not by works, but it always produces good works. And this is the theme that happens over and over again. Titus is going to say, here's the message of the church, and here's the method of the church, and it's exceedingly simple. The message of the church, in essence, is salvation by grace through faith alone. And the method, in essence, is through good works. And embed the message of salvation by grace through faith alone in the, in the soil of good works. That's just what it says. That's what the, you don't have to listen anymore, but I know you will. So number four, this is true. Number five, this is godly. It accords or it harmonizes with godliness. When the truth that's true is embedded in the heart of a person and they believe, then the result is good living. And it accords with godliness. Eight times it talks about good works. Number six, this is, this is news. This is news. And so, so, so let me reiterate, it's big. What is big? This idea that God is using the church to give the good news to the world is big. This idea that God is using the church to give good news to the world is old and it's eternal. This idea that God is using the church to give good news to the world is good. This idea that God is using the church to give good news to the world is true and it's godly and it's news. In other words, this isn't something that everybody always knew was going to happen, but it was revealed like a mystery. And that's why it says here, at the proper time, it was manifested. It's right there. You see that? At the, this is in verse 3. At the proper time, manifested in his word through the preaching. In other words, now that we've, we've moved into the gospel age, which is the age of the church, which is the time when God's doing his work through his instrument, the church, through local churches. It's the time for that, but that wasn't always known, but now it's known. And it was a mystery that's now revealed. It's a sweet and surprising truth. This is ours to... To share, this is, this is news. And, and number seven, this is ours to inherit, and it's ours to experience, and it's ours to enjoy. And that takes us back to that key phrase here, for the sake of God's elect, for the sake of the faith of God's elect, what they believe who they are. Why are we doing what we're doing? Why is Paul doing what Paul is doing? Why is Titus doing what Titus is doing? 
what should occupy our hearts, our affections, our energy, our investments. It is for the sake of the faith of God's elect. It's the work of the church in telling the good news of the hope or confidence of eternal life to people. If you're looking for something to root your life in, that is it. Because the God who made you made it that way. If you're wondering why there's not a greater fulfillment in life, it might be that you're you're seeking fulfillment in something other than that. This is big. This is old. This is eternal. This is good. This is true. This is godly. This is news. This is yours. And this is ours to share, number eight. This is ours to share. Does that put an electric shock through you? Because it ought to. It ought to. In other words, you would think something this big would only be handled by God. He wouldn't let us mess with it, right? I heard once this guy had gave his son money. He had this adorable little boy. He's maybe three years old. And he gave him money. And so he gave him the kid this money. The kid wanted this money, and he, he gave him this money. And the kid said to the dad, thank you, and he gave it back to him. His dad goes, no, no, this is yours. He goes, I know. He goes, I don't want to lose it. If I keep it, I'm going to lose it. You take it. This is, I don't trust me. God has entrusted to us a share in sharing the good news of the gospel to the world and given the hope of eternal life, which God who cannot lie promised before the ages began to people. This is big. And it's ours, and it's ours to share. This is our this is our mission. This is, this is why we're here. We're here to say the truth in beautiful ways to people who need it. Ed Pilar's, I don't have permission to tell this, but I'm going to risk it, okay? So yesterday, he stopped in, the day before yesterday, and I said, how'd you come to know the Lord? And he says to me, a friend of mine at work told me. I mean, heard things before, but it was like, then he went, and then his friend invited him to church. At church, he gets saved. He tells his wife on the way home, I'm saved now. Right? Later this week, we're going to decide who the national champion in football is. Compared to Ed Pilar's being saved, that ain't nothing. Am I right? Eternally, forever, a man who knows God, who loves God, who serves God, who will enjoy God forever. That's the big game right there. That's the big game. That's big. That's forever. You get to be a part of that. You know, we had an interesting experience over Christmas. Our, our plumbing failed. So much use in our little house in the, in the plumbing field. In the province of God, our son is a plumber. So he went out and fixed it, we thought. He did a really good job. Dug half of the backyard up. I helped. Watch. And he was just <laughs> digging away and encouraging him. And, and he fixed it, but he, his plane flew out. The good news, bad news story. The bad news is it didn't fix it all. We had a bigger problem than we thought. Good news was my son-in-law was still in town. I said to my wife, looks like I won't be able to do this until spring. And she says, we can't use the bathroom until spring. I'm like, sorry. Dale says, my son-in-law says, I'll dig it up tomorrow. He goes out digs and, and digs the rest of 45-foot trench by hand. In the providence of God, it was a warm day and the soft rains had fallen and he was able to do that, but he labored. I had a call to make. I'm not joking. I had a call to make. When I got back, he had most of the work done. I helped him. I took a few tiles out. Mostly what I did was I was just there with him. I gave him moral support. I said, thank you a lot. I took pictures and put them on the internet. You know, stuff like that. 
God is at work on our world doing the big stuff. But he's not just saying, look, you sit down, I'm going to do this. He's like, I'm going to do this, you come and join me. And we're like, are you kidding me? You mean I get to be in the game? I get, to, I get to get an assist on this. I get to be a part of this. My neighbor who is going to go to hell and is going to have sadness all the way to hell is now not going to go to hell, but he's going to have the hope of eternal life, which God who cannot lie promised before the world began. And I get to be a part of that by having a conversation over tea and by inviting somebody to church. Are you kidding me? This is big. That's what he's saying. This is really big. This is wonderful. It's ours to share. Think about that. And it is through the process of, of delightful Christian conversation that this happens. Don't freak out about this. I know you're thinking, pastor's telling me I've got to be Billy Graham to my neighbor. I've got to go over there and go, repent or perish. That's not how it is. That's not how it is. It's like you brew a cup of tea, you invite them over for a cup of coffee, you, you meet them at Bob Evans, you know, and you talk and you listen. And then it was in that context where, where C.S. Lewis with his buddies on a Friday night in his rooms was to have said, is there any pleasure on earth so great as a circle of Christian friends by a good fire? But he wasn't a Christian yet. But that drew him across the line. <laughs> you heard the story of Rosaria Butterfield, a lesbian, uh, kind of out there, feminist, lesbian gal. And, a, and an older pastor read something she wrote. He and his wife invited her over to their home just for some conversation. They didn't preach to her. They didn't condemn her. They just fed her over and over again, loved her, listened to her. Today, she's a Presbyterian pastor's wife. She got it almost right, didn't she? See, Baptist, Presbyterian, that's a joke, that's a joke. I'm just kidding. Her stuff is beautiful to read. God did a remarkable work in her. But, it, but she would say this, she's written a book on hospitality now, and she would say this, it was just the, the, there was that lovely conversation around the fire, around the tea, around the, around the meal. Can you do that? Yes, you can. You, you, can, you can dig a ditch. Uh, for, and, and in so doing, and, and your, your love, your, your good works, and your conversation where you embed just the simple truth of the story of Jesus into the hearts of people can be transformational for them. And then how could you go to bed at night and not be happy that you had a good day if you're doing stuff like that? You see what I'm saying? The other day I went on a hospital call. It was a hard one, man. We had a new baby to hold. So I got up there and I did my duty as a pastor. And I held the new baby. It was not easy, but I did it. Took pictures, put them on the internet, right? And then people are funny. They know I do that. They'll say things and say, don't put that on the internet. I'm like, oh, thanks for telling me. It's like, Ed, it's like, don't tell my story publicly today. So, so I go up there and I hold a baby. Another girl, you know, she had uh, hospitalization and she came through surgery successfully. I think she and her family appreciated that I was there. It was just a happy time. You know, everybody was okay. And then I left the hospital and the sun was out. And I thought, man, my life is good. I, I like I like this. I, I was smiling. And then, I, and then I, got a, I got a text from a girl that said, I was on my way to work and my heart was heavy and I saw you smiling and it lifted my spirits. I'm like, oh my goodness, I didn't even know that. And then, you know, my, my dear friend Charles is dying of cancer. And I went over and sat down and talked with him deeply about the things of the Lord. And he's so hungry and so eager. He knows the Lord, but he's a new guy in the Lord. And I went home and I thought, what could be more fulfilling? You know, not just as a pastor, but just... You know, as a Christian that has a story that can transform a person's life. Now, that's big. That's really big. That's eternal. That's good. That's true. That's godly. <laughs> that's news. That's yours. That's mine. And that's ours to share. We've been entrusted by the command of God our Savior. Do you see it there? It says this 
in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began at the proper time, manifested in his word through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God our Savior. So I need to tell you this, that is, there's preaching and there's preaching. So there's this public heralding proclamation like in-church pastor teaching. And, 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 but, then, but then there's just any person who heralds the truth of God to another person, that's preaching too. That's preaching too. That's just taking the truth and proclaiming what God said to them. And the Bible says, you know, you don't have to do work magic. The Bible just says that God, this is what I believe the scriptures teaches, that God has people with whom he is working out there. And, and if, if we do good works and pray and, and ask God to use us, he'll put us in the path of people who need them. And then we talk to them and we listen to them. And whatever gifts we have, we give to them. Whatever good we do, we do for them. And then God, in a miracle that we could never do, draws them across the line into Christ. And forever, they're at peace with God. I like that. See what I'm saying? How could you not have a fulfilling life if that's what you are conscious of all the time? And the other stuff that God put in the world, which is wonderful and good, like, you know, football and essential oils and cross-stitch and coon hunting and, and raising dogs and horses and whatever it is you're thinking about and, and eating out, which you want to do right now and you want me to stop talking, all those things are good things, but they're meant to kind of tug us Godward, either like as a gift from God or as like, that's wonderful. Even marriage itself, which is really amazing, is not ultimate it's a picture of something that's ultimate and that kind of helps that you put less pressure on your wife that way she isn't god she's just a nice girl but she's not god you don't worship her you love her you're good to her you receive the good gifts from god i, I gotta tell you one more and, and i gotta wrap it up because i have a new year's resolution to quit before 12 30 and um I was, I was on my, in my red Jeep, and I didn't notice before I got to be here. Man, I'm so glad to be here. I love you. I love being here. This is such a blessing to be here. And before I knew I was going to get to be here, I was in my red Jeep just preaching wherever anybody would let me. And I was scared because I didn't have any money. And I was just like, oh, my goodness, this is scary. I'm, you know, I don't know if my Jeep's going to run. I don't know if I'm going to, you know, it's just, it was scary. And, and, I, and my first speaking engagement was in Kentucky. And I polished my red jeep all up and i i got provided that i could put new tires on it and i was really afraid of spending any money so i didn't i decided i wouldn't eat out on the road but that i would i would pack a lunch and so before i left i i packed a lunch and 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 there was some ale eight which is a soda pop from kentucky there was some at the house i put that in my little thing and i got in my jeep and i drove down 75 on and it was a, it was an april day but it was it was pretty and it was sunny and my heart was kind of heavy and my heart was kind of pounding. I was just thinking about, is this going to, how am I going to do this? Well, what's my, what's, what's going to happen in my life? I just don't know for sure. I got into Kentucky and I missed Lois because whenever I go to Kentucky, my wife's from Kentucky, she's with me, but I was alone and I missed her. And, and I thought about her. I thought about how her voice kind of changes as she starts talking like she's from Kentucky when she goes across the Ohio River. <laughs> and how the kids look forward to stopping and getting some ALA, you know, and all the trips we took as a family with a van full of crazy kids. But I was alone, and I, and I stopped at this rest area, and I thought, well, that would be a good time to eat. And I could eat outside because it was sunny and warm. And I got my little lame lunch out there, and I set it on the table, and I got my ALA, and I opened it up, and suddenly the Lord visited me. That's all I can tell you. He just was with me. And I thought, I love my life. I love doing what I'm doing. God is good. I don't have an income, but God is good. You know, I'm just, I, I'm just telling you, Put your affections in Christ 
and in his mission in the world, and you will be, you will be as fulfilled as you can be in this life. When you tie your affections to Christ and what he's doing in the world, even in the simplest way, by, by telling him, putting his name in the conversation when it's appropriate and by doing good works. That's what, that's what Titus is saying. I just love that. It's so good. We're going to have fun with this. This is big. This is what it's all about. This is what intended, God intended to give our lives meaning and significance and purpose and fulfillment and deep, lasting satisfaction. This is eternal in joining him in his purposes in the world. Let me tell you one more thing. It'll, it'll work in a culture that's godless, too. Crete, we'll talk about it, was a very, very godless culture. And this is what he said to do. In a very, so you ever feel overwhelmed by the culture? It's like, man, they're running away from God. How are we going to? We're going to do Titus is what we're going to do. Because it worked then and it'll work now. Because it's God's word that should encourage us. And, and, and uh, so last week, I, on New Year's Eve, uh, this week early, I guess, or New Year's Eve, I, I was asked to return to the Down River to do a, a, a pastoral duty. As a woman, her name was Pat, Pat Williams. And my first day in that church was Pat Williams' first day in that church. I didn't know this till this week, but my first day in that church was her first day in that church. And she liked me, and I liked her. And she kept coming to that church every week. And then she brought her daughter, and then she brought her other daughter. Her daughters got saved and baptized. Her daughter met a guy, we led him to the Lord, he got baptized. She really began to grow, mark up her Bible. She never missed a service, Sunday morning services. We had Sunday evening services. We had Wednesday night services. The lady was a fanatic. She went to all of them. If every once in a while I listen to my own sermons, that sounds bad, I suppose, but it's to improve them and shorten them and whatnot. And um, when I listen to my sermons and I say something funny, I can always hear her laughing on the tape. If I say something surprising, I can always hear her voice calling out on the tape. It told me she had cancer a few months ago, and, and uh, would I come and would I help her? And I visited with Pat, and her confidence was in the Lord, and she was looking forward to being with him, even though she was only 60 years old. And when she died, before she died, she asked me to do the funeral. And when I began to talk with the family about the funeral, they said, you know that Pat, when... When she came to the church that Sunday, she was far from God. She had struggles with alcohol, struggles with, with drugs. She had drifted far away from the Lord. Did you know that? I go, no, I didn't know that. And then when she came to a church and she sat under the preaching of the gospel and, and she had Christian friends, God so enriched her life, delivered her from alcoholism, delivered her from drugs, delivered her from an empty life. Pat. And when she died, at the funeral, a lady got up, and she had this raggedy purse. It was obviously a valuable purse, but it, she'd had it a long time. And she said, Pat loved purses, and she hated it if you wouldn't carry a good purse. So she sent me this purse. She goes, this purse was a gift from Pat. And then some other lady just called out, Pat gave me a purse, too. And then another lady said, Pat gave me a purse. Then I just spontaneously said, raise your hand if Pat gave you a purse. And everybody, a bunch of women, like 10 or 15 women, raised their hands. I love the church. I love the gospel. I love the hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before the world began. It's a big deal. 
because it takes people that are on, on drugs or alcohol or, 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 or empty, and it, and it totally transforms their lives. It gives them eternal life and makes them kind and loving and generous people. This is the plan. It's big. I'm in. I am all in. Are you? Let's stand and pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, for the richness of your word, that taking a handful of verses and thinking about them can be so enriching. Now, Lord, we go as believers, most of us, into a world of unbelievers. Help us to be winsome. Help us to be loving. Help us to be bold when we need to be bold and quiet when we should be quiet. Bless the people of Bethel who have gathered in your name today. Help them with whatever is hurting them. Help them with whatever is tempting them. Bless them, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a good week.